All right, good evening, everyone, or afternoon, or morning, wherever, or whenever you are listening to this. This is the newest episode of Hot Takes Only, starring your favorite two sports personalities that you've probably never heard of, Will Kniesner, uh and myself, Owen Hill. Will, great to have you, as always, on the show. And I understand that you have uh, taken the lead on producing this show. Uh, we kind of alternate week by week, but I want to let you introduce our first couple topics and uh, let you take it from there. For sure, yeah, it's great to have you, Owen, as always. I'm really excited. Uh, you know, we get to have a really, we get to really focus on on baseball now, and I think uh, we got some really interesting division races and trade deadlines to deal with. So uh, let's get right to it. So um, we have some very uh, interesting moves that have happened at the trade deadline so far um and we're in this first block we're just going to kind of go through um each of the players uh the most notable moves of the trade deadline so far and kind of talk about what the these mean uh for their teams going forward uh so without let's get right to it so uh let's start in the nl central so we have a very tight division race uh with the cubs leading the division uh, at 16-42, uh, and the Brewers three games behind them, and the resurgent Pittsburgh Pirates eight games behind the Cubs. So um, the big, the biggest news perhaps that we haven't talked about since last show is today reports are that the Cubs have agreed for a deal for starting pitcher from the Texas Rangers, Cole Hamels. Um, you know, he's been a little uh, down this season, but, you know, he is definitely a really good pitcher overall. And I'm curious, Owen, what are your thoughts uh, on the Cubs going forward with him in the rotation? Uh, well, of all the deals that are uh, on the show we're talking about today, this is the newest one. This this news only broke a couple hours ago. Uh, but I think it's a – it feels like not a low-risk play, but one that certainly the Cubs don't feel like they're giving up too much premier talent. Uh, of course, we haven't had you know a, you know a lot of reaction to it. But the indication is that it's a good piece of business for the Cubs who are getting a veteran presence in the rotation. As we know, in October, pitching is everything, and Cole Hamels has certainly been there, done that before, having to- actually tossed a no-hitter at Wrigley a couple seasons ago. And I think it's a great acquisition for them. Uh, whether or not Cole Hamels gives you the kind of 2007-2008 vintage Philadelphia Phillies Cole Hamels or the more recent Texas Rangers Phil ha- uh, Cole Hamels, uh, I, I think either way, it's a good deal. Um, you just get someone who's who's been around. He's been around winning ball clubs. He knows how to get it done. Track record hasn't been great as of late, but you know we we've seen what happens with a change of scenery. In some cases, uh, most notably about ten years ago, it seems. Uh, actually, probably more than that. CC uh, Sabathia getting traded to the Brewers for their postseason run. They didn't oh, go very yeah. far, but he he was a great acquisition for them. And I think this is could. Didn't be- it come down to like the last day of the season? It, it was something like that. It was it was a really yeah. close race up until the end, and I think the Brewers were able to, to eke it out. Um, yeah. I, th- I believe they got knocked down the first round, though, which yep. was disappointing uh, for that team. But, again, it's it's a veteran presence in, in that rotation who already have John Lester, who just turns it on somehow in October. Uh, and, and so, it's for me, it's, it's a really solid pickup. Uh, we'll have to see basically how he adapts to being in Chicago. You know, the the headline uh, a couple of seasons ago when he went to Texas was, you know, he's going to be the guy. This is this is the That's ace right. that the Rangers are going all in for. That's not the case anymore in Chicago. You have, obviously, John Lester, who's won a couple World Series of his own, and mm-hmm. his World Series ERA is microscopic. I mean, it just That's gets right. lower and lower, his ERA, as the postseason rounds, as they get deeper in the playoffs. And he's been great this season, too. Exactly. So it... 
that'll be interesting to have that kind of one-two punch, a uh, couple lefties there in Chicago. I, I just kind of want to, you know, it's a great point, and I just kind of want to add on to what you were saying uh, before. Um, we were talking about kind of the up-and-down nature of Hamels this season, and I think Theo Epstein made a really good point. I, I was reading something which he said, I think it was a few weeks ago, and he, he was saying that when you trade for a player, um, you, you, you tend to trade more for their baseline level rather than their level this season. And I think, you know, you mentioned that Hamels has kind of been down this season, and you know, look in the month of July, for example. I mean, Hamels has an 11.12 ERA, um, and he he was although he was better in the months of uh, May and June. And I think that Theo Epstein is betting on the fact that a change of scenery will get Hamels back to the the vintage Ace Hamels that we've seen. So I mean, do you think with a guy like him, this is a case where you know you're you're tr- when you make a trade for a big name like this, are you trading for what they could be or what they are? I think you're trading for a little bit of both, but I think a lot of times, especially at this time of year, kind of later in the season, definitely second half, you're looking for someone who will be definitely rejuvenated by a change of scenery. And it's it's worth noting that Hamels has six career starts at Wrigley Field. He's 3-1 and one with a 176 ERA. And that's is he something, really? that's something that they're going to be relying on and, and hoping they get as opposed to kind of the more recent Cole Hamels, which hasn't okay. been bad. I mean, hitter uh, Texas is one of the most hitter-friendly most hitter ballparks friendly parks, in, in baseball. True. I mean, I'd argue it's it's one of the top three next to Yankee Stadium and, mm-hmm. and SunTrust Park, but it, it he has a 2.93 ERA this season. That's not too shabby. Uh, or uh, away from Texas, that is. Um, obviously, you yeah. inflate that a little bit for the uh, for doing for for pitching in that ballpark because the ball goes a, a country mile in Texas. And no, it definitely does. Uh, it definitely does travel. Um, and you know that I think that's the reason why you just tend to see you know at home they get a lot more fly balls. He's given up a lot of home runs this season. Um, you know his location hasn't been on, but um, you know. When push comes to shove, Owen, do you think that the Cubs have a championship rotation? Obviously, you have Lester, and now you have Lester, Hamels, Quintana, and Hendricks. Um, out of outside of John Lester, all three have kind of been up and down this season. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, Rotation-wise, I I wouldn't go that far. Uh, I, I think outside of John Lester, it's it's kind of question marks, and this is definitely going a long way to. Uh, confirming whether or not you're going to get quality out of out of Hamels um, or out of the rotation. But I don't know if I'd go so far as to say it's it's the rotation alone that'll be good enough for them to win a championship. Obviously, with Chicago, the, the kind of buzzwords that a lot of people in this industry use are versatility and experience and, and then obviously, you know, the big name in the clubhouse, Joe Madden, uh, obviously managing guys who are super talented like Chris Bryant, who unfortunately just went back on the DL for the Cubs. Anthony Rizzo, who's been around for forever, but is still in the prime of his career. Uh, and and again, for the Cubs, the, the name just go, the list just goes on. And Javi Baez having an incredible season. Wilson Contreras, first-time All-Star this year. So there's a lot of pieces at the Cubs that would lead you to believe they'll be successful, but it, it's I, I wouldn't put it down to the rotation. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and we do have to uh, we do have to mention also that uh, Chris Bryant is going on the DL, and you know in a, in a division race uh, this 
this tight, uh, that could be a huge difference too. So we'll just have to wait and see how that, that plays out. Um, and that kind of leads into our next uh, next one. So the Brewers, which are um, five games back and could be, uh, excuse me, three games back and could be two and a half games back if they do hold on to beat the Giants today, also made a big splash for reliever um, Joaquin Soria from the Chicago White Sox. Uh, he now goes to a team with an already stellar bullpen. So um, where do you think this move places them going forward? Uh, it, it definitely gives them that extra piece in the bullpen that really every team that has playoff aspirations needs. Uh, I think for the Brewers, they've they had a very strong first half up until the last, I don't know, few weeks or so where they kind of stumbled and eventually relinquished the division lead, which seems like they had for, for most of the first half. Uh, but this will go a long way to helping them out for that stretch run. As we know, they, they've been surprising this year. Uh, for those of you who don't really follow baseball that much, the Brewers haven't been great in the last few years, but this year has been kind of their resurgence, if you will. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's whenever you have a small market team, you know, like like the Milwaukee Brewers, you have to make something really right. And this is also a team that's been struggling. Um, they had a, a streak where they, you know, they got swept by the Pirates. Um, they lost two out of three to the Dodgers. Uh, they did take two out of three to the Nationals, but this is a team that really needs kind of a boost. And I think that when you look, certainly like we talked about last show, they really need a boost to their starting rotation. But but now when you're looking at their their bullpen and you add a an elite closer um, and reliever like Joaquin Soria, and you can add it to guys like Knable and Jeffress and Jennings and Hader, um, this is a really strong bullpen. And I think that they're saying, you know what, um, we're you know what, uh, our offense could come and go, but we're, we're going to try to lock games down at the end. And this is certainly a really big addition, in my opinion. Yeah, it'll definitely go a long way. And my only concern with the Brewers would just be in the rotation. Uh, but again, that's kind of me being a cynical Atlanta sports fan uh, and also a Red Sox fan, knowing that pitching is always going to be something you need, regardless of how many aces you have in your rotation. You look at teams that have had three aces, namely Greg Maddox, John Smoltz, and Tom Glavin, only win one World Series out of 14 straight trips to the playoffs. But we'll, we're, we're not going to get into that this show or maybe next show. We'll get into it at some point when I rag on the Braves for doing stupid things. But, you know, that, that's for a different time. Um, sure. But, yeah, I, circling back to Soria, I think it's a great acquisition for the Brewers. Uh, it, it's a definitely it's a win-this-year kind of trade. Uh, regardless of how much control they have over Soria, it's just a, a a push to to get the Cubs off of the top spot. And let's not forget about the Cardinals, who have been who've been playing better as of late, but haven't made much noise in the tra- in the I was about to say transfer window. I've been watching too much soccer um, <laughs> in the uh, before the trade deadline. So we'll we'll have to keep an eye on that one for sure. For sure, St. Louis is is in there as is Pittsburgh. Um, and yeah, like you said, they're trying to to top the Cubs. But it's also worth noting that. Um, Joaquin Soria's been a really hot pitcher. Actually, in his last 15 games, he's pitched 14 innings, and he's only given up two earned runs, uh, 20 strikeouts to five walks. And that's a big concern, too. Honestly, when you trade for relievers, sometimes they – I've seen a lot of relievers struggle when they move, and just pitchers in general. So if Joaquin Soria can keep this up, I think that the Brewers have a really strong chance of winning that division. Um, so we'll see. Real quickly, um, who wins yes. that division? You know, Owen, I think that um, if, if I had to put my money on, Cubs win it, but the Brewers get a wild card spot. What about you? 
I, I'm going to be bold and go with the Brewers. I think they're going to make one more acquisition before the trade deadline uh, hits us okay. early next week. And I, I think they'll I think they'll for sneak whom? up on the Cubs. And for whom will they will they trade? You know what? I would not be surprised to see Jacob Degrom wearing a Brewers uniform. Really? I would not be surprised. No. Okay. No. I mean that would be gr- that would be a great move. Uh, and we'll I guess we'll kind of get into him later in the show, but that would be a very interesting um, move. So yeah, remember yeah. we still we still got a good five days until the end of the deadline. So anything can happen. That's that's this is the. This and the All-Star break, I think, are the two most exciting times of the year uh, for baseball just because you don't know who's going to be wearing what uniform and how that's going to play into October because it, it could be one game here, one player here, and everything's different. The entire complexion of, of the postseason gets changed, and that's what's great about baseball. And, of course, there's 162 games, so if you like if you like long seasons, baseball's for you. Oh, yes, for sure. And like you said, it's not over till it's over, so... It's a game. It's a it's a season of ebbs and flows, and Milwaukee's trying to stem the tide because they've really been struggling. So now let's move on to the uh, the AL East for a second, um, where we the have had extremely top heavy AL East. I might the extremely top heavy AL East, but nonetheless maybe the most exciting division. Even though really five of the six divisions are close races, but you can argue it's been the best exciting because you have the Red Sox and Yankees are the two arguably most popular franchise in the MLB, and they also have the two uh, least te- the two teams with the least losses this year. They've been, frankly, um, incredible, and whatever team gets that in that wildcard game, it's going to be uh, really unfair because both have been playing incredible. But um, let's start with the, the New York Yankees. Uh, the Boston Red Sox have really been kind of pushing away um, from the Yankees. Uh, with their loss and the Yankees win today, they, the Yankees have cut it to four and a half. But the Yankees really need to do something. And they made a really big splash when they traded for closer Zach Britton from the Baltimore Orioles. Um, Britton hasn't pitched a whole lot this season, um, but he's been pretty good. And for the last few years, you can make an argument that when healthy, he's the best closer in the game. And so uh, this is – what do you think, Owen? Just a spoil of riches from the, the bullpen? When you look at that bullpen now in New York – you you have to be thinking, oh my God, this is this is not fair. Zach Britton, Aroldis Chapman, David Robertson, three closers right there, and I believe Adele Batances as well. That's four Col- closers. Yeah, and Holder and Holder and Cole as well. And are pretty Tommy Canley, who was one of the best relievers in baseball last year, is down in AAA. I personally think is a little overrated, but that's that's just me. That's for another time. They have a ridiculous bullpen right now, and I I definitely say they're top three in baseball, if not if not the best. I don't I mean I don't know who who would be above them. I mean maybe Milwaukee with this acquisition of Soria, but still I mean you have a lot of guys in Milwaukee who are good relievers, but the guys in New York they are all experienced closers. I mean Betance is the least of of the few in terms of experience, but it, it's still just ridiculous when you when you look at it and when you can run out four different guys for the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth. Who have all closed? That's it's it turns into a, basically a five inning game. I mean, unless unless you can get to Chapman or Batances, who hasn't been as good as he has been in right. years past, but it still has ridiculous stuff. No, Batances, you're right. Uh, he's not kind of the player we thought he could be a couple years ago, but he's he's having a little bit of a resurgent season. And it's not it's worth mentioning too that uh, Jonathan Holder is, ha- is having a really good season too, a sub two ERA. So. Um, I mean, let me ask you this, Owen. I mean, Zach Britton hasn't pitched a whole lot this season, only 16 and two-thirds innings. Um, He's been pretty good in those games. Um, But would that be a concern for you 
uh, going forward is lack of action? I you think you can throw no, him in? I don't. I don't think so. I think he, at least right off the bat, would be kind of the seventh inning guy. Um, just you, you think about all the elements involved in the trade coming over from a team that's likely going to be the number one, likely to have the number one overall pick in the next year's draft. The Orioles have just been terrible this year. Uh, behind him in the eighth inning, you got Robertson, who closed after some pitcher named Mariano Rivera, and then Aroldis Chapman, who throws 104 miles an hour in the ninth. Uh, or you could you could literally switch it up with if any order and not even have Dylan Betances in that kind of rotation of closers which is just ridiculous. I mean, we were talking sure. four years ago about the Yankees having a decent but not amazing bullpen. Now they have a ridiculous bullpen, and it's it's coupled with the lineup they have. and they, Maybe they go out and get one more starter before the trade deadline is over, which actually segments uh, with your segments segues us into the next player, which we'll get to in a quick second. But it, it's well, it's just unfair, man. It's, it's not even close, I, I no. think, in terms of best bullpen in baseball. No, for sure. Um, and, you know, we just also when you look at, you know, the, the way it's it's a spoil of riches in the way that, you know, closers pitch with limited pitches. And now you can throw, you know, Zach Britton, who has that really, you know, hard sinker and rolled his Chapman and throws heat. I mean, man, you, when you have to face those two hard throwers back to back, it's just unfair, you know. See, this is this is why pitching wins in October, because it doesn't matter how good your hitters are. I mean, you look at Boston's lineup, Mookie Betts. MVP candidate. J.D. Martinez, MVP candidate. Uh, Rafael Devers, really good young pros- really yep. good young player. Uh, still makes some young player mistakes. Xander Bogarts is a good hitter. Andrew Benintendi has really heated up since mm-hmm. a really slow start to the season. You never know what you're going to get from Jackie Bradley, but he's been heating up as of late. Uh, it, it, you just look at all the teams with good lineups who are going to play the Yankees. Other teams in the AL, the Astros with Correa and Bregman and Altuve, when Correa comes back, Bregman and Altuve. You look at all those teams, and then you realize they have to play. They have to face Zach Britton, Aroldis Chapman, David Robertson, Della Betances, Chad Green. After Tanaka and Sabathia and Severino, it, the Yankees have the most stacked bullpen and uh, rotation or bullpen rotation combination right now in baseball. And it doesn't matter how good your lineup is. That's that is a tough, tough order. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, the Yankees have the best bullpen ERA coming into the season. Um, I mean, coming into today. Uh, and it just gets better and better. And it's going to be really worrisome uh, for teams facing them. Uh, but that segues into uh, the next player on our list, which the Yankees also made a move for J.A. Happ, um, kind of a another st- a starting pitcher. And uh, we'll get into this, Owen, but um, I have really – this. I have real concerns about the Yankees starting pitching. So do you think this really moves the needle for them? Yeah, no, it definitely does. It, it gives them that that solidity, the a more solidified rotation after Severino. I mean, you know what you're going to get from Severino. Whether or not the Yankees play in the wild card game or in the division series, is it, it, it's kind of irrelevant because you, you probably think they're going to advance anyways based on Severino. And then when you can throw out Masahiro Tanaka and Jay Happ games one and two, CC Sabathia, the veteran who's, who's really learned how to pitch without the the fire the you know the flame throwing stuff that he used to have in his his prime and you haven't even mentioned a player who the Yankees traded for last year in Sonny Gray so there's just so much going on as far as the the combinations with the relievers and the starters that it 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 becomes a really short game for the Yankees and for a team with that lineup it's it's really hard to find out how to get around them because 
either way, you have you either have to pitch that lineup or you have to get hits off that that pitching staff. Either way, you're <laughs> you're paddling upstream. It's it's going to be tough for any team in October. No, for sure. Um, oh, and I have I have. If you can get to that bullpen, it's going to be very you know the game. You know the Yankees have a really good chance. But oh, and I'm kind of bullish on this move. I'm I'm on one hand, you know the Yankees are four and a half games back, and I think that. A sliding half into that four or five spot in the rotation could help them win a few more games and maybe just top the Red Sox to avoid that wild card. Um, but on the other hand, I'm not uh, I'm not really that as high on this move as a lot of people. Um, first off, it's worth mentioning that J.A. Happ uh, is very up and down. Uh, he's really struggling uh, coming into the trade deadline, um, and he he you know it's he's not like an ace or anything. Um, he's just a kind of a four or five starter with a who gives up a lot of fly balls in that park. So um, I don't think he's a you know world beater. Um, and that said, you know I'm looking for, at the New York Yankees. I'm looking around, uh, and I'm looking at uh, the Boston Red Sox ahead of them, and then I'm looking at uh, the Cleveland Indians who have three elite starters in um, Kluber, Trevor Bauer, and Clevenger, and the Houston Astros who have three elite starters in Keuchel, Verlander, and Morton. And I'm saying to myself. To me, it doesn't matter almost that they have the bullpen. You know, your starters have to be able to get you there. And I'm a little, I'm still concerned because as far as I'm concerned, you know, Hap isn't really a top end starter. Well, the thing with that is, is I, I'm not too convinced that they're worried about the rest of baseball. I think they are. They they play a certain team from Boston ten more times this season, and that team from Boston is. Losing ground is their their lead is shrinking by the day, which favors the Yankees. Jay Happ's numbers against the Red Sox are pretty stellar. When you think about the the lineups that he's had to face in Boston over the years, he's seven seven and four in his career with a two nine eight ERA. That's that's true. really hard to do with that's the, the lineup. Although he did get shelled years. against the Red Sox, he did, easy. and and Mookie Betts did hit that grand slam on the thirteenth pitch of that at bat, which was just nuts, and it. I wasn't watching the game live, but just watching the the video of that, you, you could tell that there's the players and the fans feel something different in Boston this year. But again, that's a different animal once once October rolls around. I mean, they know they're going to be there. They know they're going to be either hosting a division series game, hosting, uh, well, obviously be hosting, but they'll probably be uh, either the one seed in the division or the wild card. I, I think either one. Of, it's not going to be so much a close race. I don't think in the AL East it'll be just a question of which team separates themselves. And sure. ultimately, I think the Yankees have, have shown they're more aggressive so far. Now, really? that okay. is that does go or that does warrant us mentioning that Dave Dombrowski is not afraid to make a big move. The deadline. no, he's not. And there are still a few more days left for for wheeling and dealing Dave Dombrowski to uh, to show his hand and 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 go and get someone big. I, I don't think they're going to get someone massive because they've traded away a lot of prospects recently, most notably for Chris Sale. But I think it's the Red Sox have they are going to respond to these Yankee moves in one way or another. But oh and I just want to real quickly before I move on to the Red Sox, I just want to touch on the Yankees. I mean, um I mean who are your two through four starters in the postseason uh for the Yankees? I mean to me, Tanaka's the guy. He's he's pitched really well in the month of July. And he's the guy that's really kind of gotten it together recently. Um but I mean uh before that, in the first couple months of the season, he was really bad. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, he's he's kind of proven us wrong in the last couple of years, but I'm not sure 
you know, you can re- can you really rely on 38-year-old CC Sabathia to kind of keep the tide going? Um, so I, I don't know. I'm just really and you know, Sonny Gray. He's had he pitched well today, but he's had a really up and down season too. And I just I look at the Yankees and I just don't know what I'm going to get from the rotation. Yeah, and that's definitely why they went out and got Jay Happ because they they really don't know what to expect after Severino. Uh, Tanaka has been better as of late, but I think he's the kind yeah, of yeah. Keep going. I, I'm looking, I'm thinking about the way I think the mystique for for a lot of the Japanese players that come over here they they have a couple really good seasons then they kind of fall off the wagon a little bit just because it's it's not rocket science what they do to hitters they try to establish the fastball and the fastball comes out of the same arm slot as a devastating secondary pitch and most of the time their secondary pitch is controlled it, it not just it, it's commanded to a t the fastball not as much and his fastball has has very little movement on it laterally mm-hmm. or even even vertical or i guess both laterally and or basically his fastball is very flat and that's right i, I just lost the words for a second but <laughs> he is he, he doesn't have that two-seamer that you can back someone up with to go with that annoyingly annoyingly good splitter. Uh, and so I think that's been the case with a lot of Japanese players. I don't, I don't mean to, to kind of generalize You're that. Right. But you've seen a lot in the in the past. I mean, obviously with Daisuke Matsuzaka a couple of years ago, well, pretty much 10 years ago, it, it just wasn't the same... You, you weren't getting the same thing out of him because you know what you kind of knew was coming after the fastball. Uh, but all that aside, I think Tanaka is, is the guy to be number two, and then they got Hap for a a three, depending on who they're playing. I think they they have the luxury of either throwing uh, Hap or Sabathia in there, and then maybe Sonny Gray in the number five slot. Yeah, and you know, like like you said, on I mean, uh, the the stuff is really interesting. You know, he, he has he's not you know the. So just relying on the the fastball, but um, yeah, I mean he had a really high strikeout game last game, which was I think kind of unusual. Um, but yeah, it's just him. He needs to be better. And and Sonny Gray has been you know has a over a five ERA this season. He's getting really shelled recently, so um, that's concern. But I think that you know they have the ability going forward. And uh, let's move on to the next team. So Sorry, you have, I just want to I just want to make yeah. a quick note before we uh, before we get to this next uh, before we talk about the Red Sox. Yeah. Um, I remember last year when we were doing one of the first episodes of our podcast, we were talking about the trade deadline, and I said the team that goes out and gets Sonny Gray is going to win the World Series or something along those lines. That was the Yankees, and that did not happen. So <laughs> I I'm going to own that one. I was way off on that. Um, but over to the Red Sox. Yeah. Um. It, yeah. For sure. Um. Like you said, he was a great pitcher. He didn't. He wasn't quite the same when he got to New York. And this season, he's having a really down year. But uh, better in the last three starts. So we'll see. So on to the Red Sox. So we've also talked about how the Red Sox have starting pitching pitching issues behind um, Chris Sale. And oh, I think that. Ever. And I think that yes, <laughs> I think that Nathan Evaldi, uh, how I put it, is he's a very hot. I like this move because he has a lot of potential when he's right. Um, and I'm curious, Owen, what, what do you think of this move as a Red Sox fan? I personally am not thrilled by it. Really? Um, okay. I, so here's the thing with Evaldi. Uh, I remember him from when he was with the, with the Yankees a couple years ago. And I remember when he was on, it was so annoying to see him pitch because he had such great stuff, but his mechanics were just – I mean, right. they even broke it down on Sunday Night Baseball. It was the Red Sox-Yankees game. They talked about him as a thrower, throwing with a stiff lead leg. And basically, for those of you who don't know – 
that puts a lot of strain on your leg and or a lot of strain on your arms and less yeah. on your legs, which it, you want the reverse when you're a pitcher. You want to you want your legs to carry the brunt of the of the force when you're throwing. Obviously, your shoulders going to be involved, but it, I mean it. You can see it if you look up his mechanics. His his left leg is almost hyperextended when it's down, and that results in him throwing the baseball as opposed to really using his lower body to. I mean, he's still using the proper pitching mechanics, but it just it just feels a little off to me. And he has amazing stuff, even in spite of that. So it's it's honestly, I think if he tweaks his mechanics just a little bit, he will be a much better pitcher. But I think it's still he kind of still has a mechanical issue that I think he needs to work out. But he's gotten this far in the big leagues. I mean, he has a big league career doing that. So I, what am I? Who am I to judge? Um, but but back to whether or not I like this deal, I I like the idea because he has really really good stuff. He's a good hard fastball, good secondary stuff, and the command can be suspect, which is what I'm worried about because the Red Sox already have pitchers whose command is suspect, namely Eduardo Rodriguez. Rodriguez has been sidelined for a long time now, but you you cannot cannot afford to groove a 98 mile an hour fastball. I don't care who you are. You can't right. throw one down the middle, especially in October, and, and and that's they are thinking about October in mind. They're not they're not convinced with Drew. Pom- they're not satisfied with Pomeranz. Parcel or excuse me, Porcello has not been good this year. Price has been hit or miss. Usually not good in the playoffs. So you're relying on Chris Sale to carry the load, and I, I think they just they need to fix that rotation because Price hasn't been good enough. I think if you convert him to a long reliever like he did, like they did last postseason, he was insanely good. That was the best David Price I've seen since he was with Tampa Bay sure. back in 08. And if you remove him from the rotation, you're left with Porcello as a number two. Porcello is, again, I am still confused as to how he won the Cy Young a couple years ago. I think a lot of writers are obsessed with the win stat and not looking at the run sure. support that he got. He was getting almost six or seven runs per game that year. I mean, it's, it's really hard to lose games when you're getting six or seven runs per game. So... I'm a very critical fan of the teams that I that I like, namely the Braves and the Red Sox. So I'm going to be kind of overly critical in some situations, but I think Porcello really just has that thing he needs to work out. You know what you're going to get out of Chris Sale. Chris Sale's a top pitcher. He's probably going to win the Cy Young this year unless he completely falls apart in the second half. But again, it's it's they had that deal with the postseason in mind, and I just don't think... They should be all that convinced with a rotation of Sale, Price, Porcello, Ovaldi, and whoever comes after that. So, so I personally am not a huge fan of the deal, but I've been wrong before, like I just said, and we'll see. So just a couple of follow-ups on that, Owen. So first of all, with regards to the rotation, so we have this right. So just our fans, uh, Nathan Ovaldi, he, right, he's going to replace Brian Johnson in the rotation. And then if when Eduardo Rodriguez returns from uh, injury – uh, he's going to replace Pomeranz. Is that correct? That's my thinking. Yeah, until Rodriguez comes back. Um, okay. He's been sidelined for a little while, yeah. and he's he hasn't really been healthy all year. Um, and I'm just not convinced by by any of the starters and the staff besides Sale and Price in a relief capacity. It's it just hasn't looked convincing sure. this year. And the only reason the Red Sox are so good is just because the back end of the bullpen, at least for That's the right. most part of the season, was phenomenal. Uh, Matt Barnes has been good as of late, but he's That's right. it, it, very strange. I've said this before on the show, but very strangely, every time we play the Yankees and Matt Barnes is up, he decides to give up, I don't know, like three doubles in a row or a couple homers back to back. 
Joe Kelly has been a train wreck as of late, uh, but he started off the season in really fine fashion, of course, getting the brawl with Tyler Austin of the Yankees, which was good comedy for everyone involved, uh, those of us who enjoy the Red Sox. Anyways. <laughs> uh, and I don't know. It, it's I feel like the Yankees have, have really made this move. I mean, this is a power, power move, if you ask me, for the Yankees, to go out and get the best closer on the market. And, and a top-tier pitcher as well, at least of those available. Not Jacob DeGrom, because I think the holdup in that deal would have been Justice Sheffield, or they even said no to a package with uh, Andujar, Justice Sheffield, and one other prospect, uh, which is absurd, but the Mets are also asking for the moon for DeGrom, which makes sense because he's probably going to win the NL Cy Young Award, and it's not even going to be close. Yeah, no, it's it's, uh, it's it's interesting to see if you should trade for an elite pitcher like that. But, um, I mean, to be my second question for you, Owen, real quick back to Evaldi, is that you kind of you you know you were talking about earlier how you're not sold on on a lot of the guys behind Chris Sale and and you're not um, sold on Nathan Evaldi's mechanics. Um, the story with Nathan Evaldi, I think, is that you know he's really good or really bad. Um, he'll have games. He had a few. He had a game a few weeks ago where he shut out the Mets uh, and nine strikeouts. Um, but he also has games where he, he, you know, two starts ago he played Minnesota and gave up eight runs. And I think that's the story if you just kind of look at him this season. And I'm curious, you know, he is most known for that hard fastball. Um, but what, I guess what do you think he needs to do to avoid those bad starts more often? Because if you ask me, I actually really like this move because I think when he's right, he actually gives the Red Sox an elite pitcher. Yeah, and I I get that. And, and he has, I would say, the best stuff uh, of anyone not named Chris Sale in that rotation. Uh, David Price has had to kind of tweak his, his delivery a little bit to compensate for losing the velocity. He used to be just your, your standard power pitcher, good fastball, uh, decent changeup, and a, an occasional cutter or curveball to go in there as well. Uh, but as far as just raw stuff, uh, Porcello, not great. He doesn't throw as many splitters as he should, in my opinion. Pomeranz has a good knuckle curve, but at the same time, his fastball tops out, or at least this season has topped out in the, the low 90s, which for someone with his command, you can't really have happen. Uh, so that leaves that leaves Sale, who's just completely unreal, and Evaldi. Yeah. So... I'm just I'm just not convinced by that, and I feel like okay. unfortunately for as good as the Red Sox have been this year, it's going to be another another one and done in the playoffs. And okay, I I don't know. I I think they they need to over over uh, massively overhaul the rotation if they have okay. any designs on winning the World Series. Well, we'll we'll see. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. You know, like he, he needs to control. His secondary pitch, he needs to control that fastball, like you said. He can't, he can't throw him right down the middle. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Nathan Rivaldi could be hit or miss. Um, and I think that kind of transitions over to uh, the last player in this, in this opening uh, block. Um, a lot of people think because of their just the completeness of their team that the Houston Astros are the favorites. And they added Gold Glover Martin Maldonado um, at catcher. Um, and I'm curious, I think uh, – this move has kind of flown under the radar with all the pitching moves, but nonetheless, it's very significant. So, what are your thoughts on? Well, they're just they're just adding to what's already uh, an unbelievable roster. Uh, we know Brian McCann is a solid catcher, but he's not the greatest defensively. I think he's better hitting than he is defensively, and with his age, they might be looking to get him at DH or even first base a little more. Uh, Evan Gaddis is kind of the same boat. Uh, he's a younger, I would say, he's a younger right-handed version of Brian McCann, but 
you know, not known for his defense behind the plate. And that adds pretty much the one thing that the Astros really didn't have, which was a gold glove catcher. So, I mean, you look, you look around the diamond at the rest of what they have. Alex Bregman, who's a shortstop by trade, playing at third. Carlos Correa, when he comes back, is one of the premier shortstops in the game. Jose Altuve, we know how good he is. Yuli Gurriel, uh, racist gestures aside, is a phenomenal first baseman. Uh, they have the depth. The pitching is there. I think they still need to go out and get a bona fide closer. I think the rotation alone is not going to be enough That's for right. them to, to win the World Series this year. I, I could be wrong, though, with obviously Cole and Verlander and Charlie Morton and Dallas Keuchel. I mean, it's it's unreal how good their pitching staff is. Or their, oh, their yeah. starting rotation, anyways. Uh, but this this makes them a lot better, and I think they're going to be a lot scarier in October when you have someone who's as good behind the dish defensively as Maldonado. I think this is a huge move. Oh, and like you said, they had a spoil of, of Rich's uh, pitching staff, even though they do need a closer uh, with Ken Giles, you know, sent down. But <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, that it's rough. But I think this makes all the difference. Um, first of all, he's just really great in in the locker room working with pitchers, uh, and particularly when you're a team that has bullpen issues, that's big. And not only that, just just little things. When you talk about a close game, uh, you know, he's not really he doesn't allow a lot of pass balls. And he also is really good uh, throwing. He's much better than Brian McCann throwing out runners stealing. So these are kind of things when you just talk about an extra base here and there. Um, he's really going to help you. So, and I think that the Astros have more than enough offense to kind of compensate for his weak hitting. So I think this is a move when you talk about just the leadership defensively and working with pitchers that can make a huge difference. So um, I think that this is really good. And I guess to sum up this block, Owen, um, what's one player um, that you think – one one big name that you think will move before the deadline is will over. Will 100% move before the deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in line with the name of the show. I'm gonna go Jacob Degrom. Uh, I okay. know we're gonna, we have him slated to to kind of talk about him in the second block of the show, but uh, I'm telling you, Jacob Degrom, some team is going to be very desperate at at July on July 30th, July 31st, and go. You know what? We're, we we want to win now. We want Jacob Degrom, who's still, I think under a couple more years of team control. I mean, the Mets are going to ask for the moon and then some for DeGrom, but I, I honestly think it's worth it. He, he is that good. Yeah, for sure. We'll get into him. He, he, uh, he could be a huge name. Uh, for me, I think Chris Archer is going to move, and I think he's uh-huh. going to be a very underrated piece. Um, and I think he's a guy that, with a new change of scenery, um, and he's been pitching pretty well recently. Um, really, in his last seven starts, he's been pitching really well. So I think he's a guy that's going to help the team. But now let's go on to our... our, our so I just want to make a, a really quick sidebar. Uh, yeah. The Rays are really interesting because they're neither bad enough to be absolute sellers nor good enough to be buyers. They're in that really, really weird space. So I think it might be weird to get rid of Chris uh, Archer, but at the same time, the return you can get for someone like Archer, when you know how good he can be, uh, could help them as early as next year. So... Keep an eye I mean, on that one. Oh, look at his last start. I mean, I guess against the Marlins reminded me of vintage Archer. He had three runs, 13 strikeouts. Uh, so, you know, like you said, he's a really top-line starter when he's right. Absolutely. Um, I had him on my fantasy team last year. It was great. <laughs> um, okay, so now let's go on to our our uh, next block, um, which could be the last depending on time. Um, so we're just going to play true or false, and we're going to kind of – uh, we have got eight topics here, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a statement, Owen, and I want you to say uh, whether you think they're tr- it's true or false. Uh, so the first the first topic is the Atlanta Braves should be buyers at the trade deadline. Uh, I'm going to take this one as true, 
with the one caveat that this player must be someone to help them today and tomorrow. Uh, and what I mean by that is the Braves are on the verge of contending for a postseason spot, but I personally don't think they're there yet. I think the bullpen is still susceptible. The rotation, I'm not convinced outside of uh, mm-hmm. really the raw stuff of uh, Newcomb and Fultonevich. Tehran is getting older, and I don't think you can rely on him as much. His stuff isn't right. what it used to be. Uh, and I, I think they just need to get pitchers who will learn from the experience of making a postseason run, but next year will be able to anchor the rotation or really help this team make that next step. Uh, Mike Soroka was a huge player for the Braves this year. I think he's very underrated for what he brings to the table. He could be an easily a solid number two or number three for the Braves in the future, uh, but kind of dealing with injuries all season. Uh, And so going back to that, I think just I'd like to see the Braves go out and get someone who's going to be under team control and young and still developing, but someone who could help the team pretty much immediately. Interesting, Owen. Okay, uh, and we'll we'll talk a little more about this. Uh, I'm actually going to disagree with you and say no. Um, I think that you know, like you said, they, there's certainly issues. Um, Newcomb and Fultonevich are a decent one-two punch, but they need more starters. Um, they also, you know, they could use a third baseman. Uh, there are rumors of Mike Mustakis, Josh Donaldson, uh, people of that nature. But um, the Braves have arguably the best farm system. Uh, I think coming into the season, I think they had something like eight top 100. Um, prospects which is the most of any team in the MLB and at the same time you know you've got a lot of when you talk about guys like Ronald um, you know when you talk about guys like Acuna uh, and Ozzy Albies uh, who we'll get into in a little bit uh, young guys who are um, the Braves are just kind of starting to contend and I would hate to see the Braves have to move some good prospects when this is just the start of their their window is going to be open in the future right and the last thing I'll say before we go on to our next little take here is that Alex Anthopoulos has never been one to shy away from a trade. I mean, he's kind of like Dave Dombrowski in that sense. But at the same time, I feel like he he is a little more hesitant to deal top prospects. And Coppolella and Hart, uh, the two formerly disgraced uh, baseball operations heads for the Braves, uh, left Anthopoulos, to their credit, with a plethora of good young talent. So it'll be interesting to see how they deal with that. But I'd like to see them go out and get someone to at least try to help and push this year but if not you know just just don't blow up the franchise again don't don't trade away anyone please atlanta don't trade freddie freeman don't trade acuna don't trade albies please that's all i ask of you who do you want them to who do you who do you want them to trade for for me i think chris archer is a guy that they could actually go after i i would agree there no one really comes to mind for me but you know it's the, you never really think of the Braves, at least in the last few years since 2013, the last time they made the postseason, as a team who would actually go out and get someone at the deadline. Uh, they've definitely been more of a selling team as of late. Um, you look at the players they've traded away over the years. They could field an entire team and then some. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think it's it's uh, it's someone in the mold of Chris Archer, maybe not as good as Chris Archer. Um, but something along those lines, a, a, a pitcher on the younger side of the spectrum who's still got really good stuff uh, and who can who can bring a lot to the table. 
And I think it's worth mentioning with Archer, too, real quick. Uh, he's going to be under contract for three more seasons. So this is not a one-year I, – like, I think kind of like you said, I don't want them to trade for a one-year rental. I want, you want a guy – even if it means them giving up a little bit to get Archer, like at least they'll have him for a few years. Yeah, you don't want to break the bank. That's what yeah. I'm saying as well is, that, is I'd like to go see them get someone who's going to help them win today but also tomorrow as well. Okay. Uh, sounds good. Uh, so uh, the next one, uh, buy or sell um, – I mean, true or false, uh, the player that you'd like to see move the most at the trade deadline is Adam Jones. He's been getting a lot of— 125% false. No, I, I don't want to see Adam Jones. I mean, I'd like to see him go somewhere, but th- there's there's a certain pair of pitchers in New York by the names of Syndergaard and DeGrom who I'd like to see at least one of them get moved somewhere because it is going to change the entire dynamic of, of whatever division, whatever league they go to if they switch leagues. If they stay in the NL— the NL is going to be, I mean, that team is going to be the favorite regardless. I mean, you, you think of the raw stuff that DeGrom and Syndergaard have. They both have World Series experience. I mean, Syndergaard was a rookie when the Mets were the World Series in 2015. Uh, and DeGrom was really still finding his feet as a, as a player in baseball. Um, but it, it, I, I just want to see one of those two moves. And, and Jones, to me, is kind of the end of his career. It'd be nice for him to get some, you know, go to a, a team that's going to contend in October. The Orioles haven't really made a serious run since, I believe, 2011. Uh, so it's, I don't know. Adam Jones, sure, I'd like to see him move to a contender, but not the most. Okay. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, you, can, you can't you can argue against uh, Snyder and DeGrom, two of the best starters in the game. Uh, honestly, Owen, I just made this question because I really want to see him go to the Indians, and I think that the Indians desperately need help in the outfield uh, beside Michael uh, Brantley. And if Adam Jones goes to that team, you know, a good hitter, uh, I think that that completely changes the game for the Indians. I think that helped so, the Indians a lot. I mean, I, I don't know if you know what the likelihood of that deal happening is, but I think it'd be a really good one for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, let's go on to the, uh, the next one. So uh, Owen, the thank you, to thank the Cleveland Indians, everyone else uh, who snapped the Pittsburgh Pirates' eleven game win streak. But um, with that, they are right back in the thick of things. Uh, I believe they are eight games. Uh, they are uh, eight games back um, of raise uh, it. Um, Owen, uh, true or false, the Pittsburgh Pirates are a contender. They are absolutely a contender for a wild card spot. Uh, as far as making a run to the pennant, no, but they are definitely a team who can make some noise as, as far as getting a wild card spot is concerned. Josh Bell's hitting again. We you know what you're going to get out of Josh Harrison. And who knew that dealing Garrett Cole, one of the premier pitchers in baseball, would get you an 11-game win streak in the middle of July. I mean, it, it's crazy what the Pirates have been able to do with the expectations that were on the season Oh, and by the way, they also traded away Andrew McCutcheon, their franchise player, right. over this over the winter. And no one would have seen this coming. So I, I think if they can put together an 11-game win streak in the situation that they have done, anything's possible for them. So they're absolutely contender for a wild-card spot. As far as the pennant, no, I don't think so. But wild-card spot, absolutely. Uh, I mean, they're a very interesting team. Um, I mean, they've got... Um, like you said, a very interesting cast of players. Corey Dickerson's been really hot, one of the most kind of underrated players in the game. Uh, it's nice to see, you know, Starling Marte come back after the, the suspension. Um, and like you said, after trading those players, uh, like McCutcheon, who is so good, one of my favorite players for so long. Um, for me, though, I'm, I'm not I'm going to say that's false. Uh, I just think that the Brewers and the Cubs are too strong for them. Um, and I think this is just going to be approved to be uh, a little bit too much of a of a gap to overcome. That's, so that's, I mean, I definitely see that, but fair, but 
I was listening to Starting Nine today, uh, and they were talking. I think it was Dallas Braden, of course, talking about the the Pirates and the kind of the surging Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, and, that, and the way he kind of presented that take was was good. So I wanted to give some love to the the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Buckos, and raise it. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, uh, the no, next one. You know, I remember I remember watching Gregory Polanco play in AAA. He used to play against Syracuse. Yeah. And he was a huge – I think he might have been – he was top five prospect. I mean, he was really highly coveted, and he's turned into a good corner outfielder. Don't forget the little Marte parte they're having out there. Still yeah, Marte. Marte. Do, he, Marte. I think he's done doing steroids for now. Who knows? No, no, that's really good. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, Willie, I mean, Willie, do the Nationals yeah. have a chance to win the division? Do they still well, have one? Uh, interesting, Owen. You know, I think um, – Everyone's writing them off, but here they are. Uh, despite everyone talking about the Phillies and the Braves, the Nationals are sitting seven games back at 500. And I think, yes, they certainly have a chance to win the division. And the big thing for them is just, I know we've talked about their injuries, but their offense has been really disappointing this year, particularly good old Bryce Harper. Um, you know, I think there's something in, in the bottom half of run scored, which is just uh, astonishing. But um, in... I think that, yeah, I just think that their offense is going to get it together, and I think that um, they're certainly going to challenge uh, the Phillies and the Braves, in part because I'm not quite sure what to expect from either one of them coming down the stretch. See, I want to use this to rag on the Nats, not just because I don't like them as a Braves fan, but just because they have fallen so far from where we all expected them to be at the start of the season. We were talking about the Washington Nationals as favorites to win the pennant in the National League. Not just that, the World Series as well. Yeah, That no. has not been the case this season. And it is laughable to think that a team like the Nats could theoretically miss the playoffs. A team with Bryce Harper in his walk here, who has been abysmal. A team with Daniel Murphy, who seems to be a 350 hitter every single season. Anthony Rendon, also a ridiculously good hitter every single season. Juan Soto, who's come up and just hitting the ball out of the yard left right and center trey turner who's faster than uh, killian mbappe not really but (laughs) you get what i'm going with this the nats were supposed to be that team this year scherzer unbelievable strasburg phenomenal jeremy hellickson underrated but i think he's he gets a job done even with subpar stuff if you ask me but that's you know again it's it's just this we expected so much more from the nats this season and they have been terrible based on their expectations now we the bar for them is set pretty high pretty much every year just because they've they've shown this excellence in the kind of Bryce Harper era but just the fact that we're talking about them not just having a chance but being written off is hilarious yeah no it's they're definitely you know I'd say the 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 most disappointing uh team coming into the year um but um, you know, it's it's just interesting because I think that uh, sometimes you know your window closes, and it's not to say that you know the Wa- Washington is just a really old team that, that it has their window closed, but um, but maybe they just uh, they don't have they they just kind of hit a wall and they don't have that same that same confidence. I'm not sure what it is, but all I do know is that they have a lot of talent on that team. They have guys like Ryan Zimmerman and Bryce Harper that can get it together. And I think that they just have enough where they, if they get hot, they could certainly make things interesting. Oh, no. They, they absolutely still have a chance to win the division. And no one, I think, should be surprised if they do win the division. Uh, it's, 
it, the bigger surprise would be to see someone like the Phillies win the division, if you ask me. I mean, they, they obviously didn't have the same kind of fanfare the Nats did, but they've, they've played really well this season. It still wouldn't be a surprise to see the Phillies win. Uh, the only surprise in that division, of course, to me, would be Atlanta, just because they, they haven't been good really mm-hmm. really since the last time they made the playoffs and decided to just blow up the whole thing uh, the season after that. So, really, it, it, no one should be surprised if the Nats win the division. I, I think anyone who is is kind of, you know, hasn't really been paying attention the last few years. And, and you know, that's fine if you don't pay attention to baseball. There's 162 games. It's it's so hard to follow every single one. I mean, I don't even watch every single game. I just kind of follow as much as I can. I watch the big series. Um, if there's not a lot going on other sports-wise, then, of course, I'll watch that. But, you know, that's enough rambling for that. The Nats are still fine. Staying in the division, though, Ozzie Albies. Is he the most underrated player in baseball? Uh, no. I think if he – if my big thing is, here is if he didn't make the All-Star team, he would have definitely been the most underrated. But I think people recognize how good he is and how good he is going to be for the Braves. So I, I, I think it's fair. Interesting. he's not. Oh, and where do you think he ranks in wins above replacement among MLB players? He's, I mean, this season or? Yeah, this season. Uh, he's got to be somewhere in the top 10, I'd say. 19th. 19th. Okay, but so maybe not. I want you to, I want to read you all, all of the top 20, okay? And I'm going to read you the top 20, okay? All right, go for it. Mike Trout, Jose Ramirez, Mookie Betts, Francisco Lindor, Aaron Judge, Alex Bregman, Matt Carpenter, uh, Nolan Arenado, Jose Altuve, Freddie Freeman, Manny Machado, uh, Andrelton Simmons, Eddie Rosario, J.D. Martinez, Matt Chapman, Andrew Benatendi, Lorenzo Cain, Jed Lowry, Ozzy Albies, J.T. Real Muto. Now, if you ask me, maybe it's just because, um, you know, the Braves aren't, I guess, the biggest market team, but if you ask me, he doesn't compared to the other players on those lists, he really doesn't get any attention whatsoever. I mean, even, even a guy like like Lorenzo Cain, who's in a small market team like the Brewers, you know, he has a history where he was good with the Royals. But Ozzy Albies is a new guy, and I just think that all those other guys, we, we know are elite players, but Ozzy Albies has emerged, and I still don't think he's getting the attention uh, that he deserves. I think the one thing I'd say in response to that is he's only, I mean, this is his first full season, really. Uh, yeah. Maybe second full season. Yeah. I, I believe it's his first full season. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I'm not really surprised by that. I mean, I think people are still I – mean, people don't pay attention to the Braves, especially after last year. They were just abysmal last year. Uh, they, you know, It was nice to see them open up SunTrust Park with a couple wins here and there. But <laughs> they, they really were good last year, and, and the way they started this year was promising, but they haven't really been able to keep it up, and I think they're going to start to fade as, as we get later and later in the season. But it's been nice to see Albies have a good year. He's an all-star. Marquecas was an all-star. Freddie Freeman was an all-star. Uh, it's just, it was good to see for, for Atlanta, but it, again, I just don't think they're, you know, I, I think the, the production for Albies especially has matched the hype. I will tell you someone who is way more hyped than Albies though, is the Who's guy that? who hits right behind him in Ronald Acuna. Oh, Acuna. What was Acuna, he the number two prospect, right? It, Acuna it was... is the Braves entire offense in the future, the future offense of the, of the Braves. And it, it's it's unreal to see what he's doing now. I mean, I think he just turned 20 or still 19. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, he's 20. It, it, yeah, exactly. He can't even buy a drink legally. It, it's, <laughs> and he's, he's hitting baseballs 450 feet. I remember when I was his age, I was um, <clears throat> just drinking a few too many beers, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, was, I, was I saying that for real? I don't know. <laughs> and you like their fielding too, Albies and Acuna? Um, Albies better than Acuna, but I think that's, that's not as much of a problem when you look at their offensive side of the ball. I mean, 
JD Martinez plays for. Yeah, he, and he's you know, tearing it up. Martinez, but he's a DHs, DHs, uh, you know, it's, DH, you're right. Defense is That's not true. as much of a concern when guys are hitting the ball out of the yard. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I think it's fine. Oh, we'll see. Yeah, no, it's uh, he he's a great player, no doubt. Um, on to the next one. Um, now this one, two te- this yeah, one two confuses te- me. Okay, so well, two teams. The reason I put this one in there. Um, so the statement is, uh, Oakland and Minnesota should be sellers at the deadline. Um, and the reason I put this in there is because um, both teams are small market teams, and you know when you're a small market team, how rare. Uh, the you know these opportunities are and particularly a team like Oakland where you know they're the classic money ball small market team where you know where Billy Bean made the most of everything and they hadn't been good in a while um and I just I'm wondering Owen uh the 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 twins sit seven and a half games back in their division um and the Oakland's right there but you know that um they're still not going to be favored over the Mariners or the Astros so what is your opinion on that one? Well, and and this one, like the Pirates take, I, w- I was a little maybe biased because I, I heard Dallas Brady talk about it on Starting Nine earlier today. But I, I honestly, I would not sleep on the A's. So I would say Oakland should not be sellers. They should be buyers. Minnesota should be sellers, though. Min- Minnesota should look to move uh, some of their older, higher-value players uh, if they can, if they can get a good enough return. I think Dozier would be someone they could move. Um, even though he's kind of been the the heartbeat of that franchise for the last few years, I, I just think it's it's they don't maybe have enough to compete right now. Maybe if they go out and get a prospect or two with uh, with a player like Dozier, they'll be good uh, good enough next year. I mean, it, it was it's kind of a shame because they were a playoff team last year. They played the Yankees in the wild card game, uh, right. but it just hasn't it hasn't been there this season. I think they're far enough out where it it, it won't be as much of a factor now with the A's. They're red hot, and they they were talking about the Texas game uh, where they came back from, I think, a 10-9 deficit to end up winning that, like, 11-10 or 12-11 or something like that. Uh, and they were talking about the kind of confidence that team has. I think it's Piscotti talking about, you know, when the team when the score was 10-9, they didn't feel like they were behind. They felt like they were ahead mm-hmm. by two or three. And, and that's the kind of confidence that it doesn't matter how well you're playing. That can really, really help you uh, sure. during the stretch. You know, you feel like you're playing good baseball, and it doesn't matter what the record says. You just keep going. I, so I mean, I, I guess with, yeah. with the A's, they they've got a good thing going, and it'd be a shame to see them sell. At the same time, it, for a team like the A's with the limited budget they usually have, it's not unforeseen to see them kind of break something apart like that. But who knows? And and the reason I guess I would say that is because normally you'd say a team that's one game out of the wild card, like why why in the world did you even think that they're seller? But the reason I ask is because, you know, to me their ceiling is they 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 get in the second wild card game and lose to the Yankees or the Red Sox. You know what I mean? So for a team like Oakland that um, is such a small market team, maybe the answer to to be honest, maybe the answer is neither buy nor sell. You know, roll with the team you have and don't give up too much. But I, I would hate to see them, you know, Go for it, and then just lose in the wild card game. Yeah, I'm with you there. That'd be that'd be a shame for the A's, and I, I know they've they've you know they maybe weren't expecting to be as good as they are this season, but they they've definitely been playing really good baseball as of late. Uh, you think of Jed Lowry, who's a first time All Star this year. Chris yep. Davis, who just keeps hitting home run after home run. Uh, I think he's one of the most underrated sluggers in baseball. Chris Davis, uh, Chris with a K, that is. 
for those yeah. of you. <laughs> not the other not to be Davis. confused with Chris <laughs> Davis, who's having probably the worst season in the history of baseball. But, yep. you know, we're not talking about that because the Orioles are just bad altogether. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I think the A's are a really interesting case, and I think th- as, as we get closer to the deadline, it'll be more apparent what they want to do. Uh, but I'm with you there. I think standing pat might be a good call for them. Okay. We'll see. I mean, they're, they're a really good team, and it's interesting to see teams like the Mariners and the A's and teams you're not – uh, not always good regularly to back recently to, to be back there. So uh, on to the second last one for the segment. Uh, we were talking about him earlier. Um, true or false, the team should move for Jacob DeGrom. Absolutely. And I think it's the Brewers. Uh, I mentioned this earlier, but I think they're far enough back where it warrants a move. They've already made a move for a closer. I think the rotation needs that one premier pitcher to put them over the edge to really challenge the Cubs because you know that the the NL is is wide open I mean it, it could literally be any one of the division leaders or any one of the teams that is in contention for the wild card except for again maybe the Atlanta Braves but I'm a very cynical Braves fan so we don't talk about that um, it, it, and I, I think they definitely should yeah I think it, the Brewers should make a move for DeGrom I don't know well, he would certainly fit the bill. They need a pitcher, and you know he leads all the whole National League in wins above replacement. Uh, he's been, you know, I think one something like a sub two ARA. Um, he he's given he's struck out a bunch of people, just having an incredible season. And I think the kicker is that he's actually under team um, under contract till 2020, so he's not a one year rental because for the asking price that a team's going to want for him. I would normally say if he's rental, it's not even worth getting him. But because he's under control for two more seasons after this, I would definitely say for a team like the Brewers, who are back, I would say they have to go all in for him. And it's a win-win. If you're the Mets, you can get something big for him. But there's no doubt that he's a game changer. He is – I mean, is he the best pitcher in the game? In the game? Uh, Not named Clayton Kershaw? Well, I mean, you know, Clayton Kershaw's missed time this season. Right, but but I mean, all things equal, Jacob. Uh, and he Clayton hasn't Kershaw. been. And he hasn't been great in the playoffs. Right, know, but I, I think all things all things equal, Clayton Kershaw is the, the best pitcher alive, hands down. So if the Brewers hypothetically get Degrom, are they the favorites in the NL Central? I, I think they are. Yeah, with with the wow. lineup, with the the bullpen they had, obviously with the Soria acquisition we talked about at the top of the show, I think that makes them really really dangerous. Uh, I, I don't think any team in the NL has separated themselves enough. Obviously, the Dodgers getting Machado is huge, but I'm still there's still question marks about the bullpen leading up to Kenley Jansen. Kenley Jansen hasn't even been amazing this year. He was phenomenal last year, but really, really overused in the in the World Series, in, in my opinion, and or just the entire postseason. And I think that took a toll on him to start the year. He didn't have the normal preparation uh, as we've seen this season, and it's just been kind of a a a hit or miss Kenley Jansen, which you can't have if you're the Dodgers. So. Oh. Yep. So go back to the Brewers. I think if they were to get Degrom, I think really whoever gets Degrom, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the same take I used last year with Sonny Gray, but this time with Jacob Degrom. The team who gets Jacob Degrom is gonna be the favorite in their league, unless he goes to the Red Sox, which I don't see happening because they wouldn't give up what the what the Mets are asking for. So I I don't know. I think whoever goes for Degrom just instantly becomes the favorite in that league. It, he he just that is that much of a game changer, even if he goes only once every four or five days. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, like you said, hopefully it won't be a Sunday Gray situation. He'll, he'll keep up his performance. But, yeah, he's nothing short of incredible. Um, and on to the last one, uh, and then we'll go to our parting takes. But, um, yeah, last one. 
the most underrated team in the MLB is the Arizona Diamondbacks. True or false? Uh, I'm going to say true on this one. I think that the D-backs are, are a sneaky good team. They don't get a lot of credit. They don't get the credit I think they deserve. They were a wildcard team last year, hosted the wildcard game against the Rockies. And we all know how, how crazy that game was with Archie Bradley hitting the triple late in the game and then giving up a, a big RBI, yeah. a, a big <laughs> big base knock late in the game. And, and it with the D-backs, it's kind of been it's been an up-and-down season so far. Obviously, they've, they've kind of gone and went as Paul Goldschmidt has gone and went. Um, mm-hmm. Goldschmidt is just tearing the cover off the ball now, which is which is what we expected from Paul Goldschmidt, especially considering how he started. Nothing the less. Nothing less. And he he seemingly flies under the radar every single year as an MVP candidate. I don't think he gets the love he deserves because he plays in Arizona. So yeah, I, they are the most underrated team in baseball. I'd say. Yeah. No, I get with it, and I would say you know, kind of like you said, they've been up and down. They started the year, and you're like, whoa, like what's going on with the Dodgers and what's happening with the Diamondbacks. Um, but they they have kind of, the Dodgers did get hot and they come to earth, and yeah, like you said, uh, they they have a good offense and obviously led by um, Paul Goldschmidt. David Peralta is having a really good season too. He's another really good player. Obviously, AJ Pollock was um, another guy that too that that no one talks about um, as much because he he's kind of on the West Coast and there's kind of an East Coast bias and just with the game times. Um, and I think I just think this is a case where. Um, with their, I think with their loss today, they did drop a game. Uh, so maybe they're two and a half games back now. But uh, even with Machado's been hitting really well since he got to the Dodgers, like they're right there. And I think everyone is just assuming that the Dodgers are going to win the division. And I think it's less than yeah, I'd put my money on the Dodgers. But I think that the Diamondbacks are right there. And I, I, I don't think, I think it's going to come right down to the end. Yeah, and to your point, if I were a betting man and I put money on the Dodgers, I'd be very nervous about the Diamondbacks because. They're another one of those teams who could make a very under-the-radar type move at the deadline and go and get someone who can, you know, basically go at the Dodgers and, and Manny Machado. I mean, right now they, they have the target on their back. They went out and made the big move the big move for the big star. And, you know, it's it's almost kind of dangerous to make that move first because you, you kind of show your hand and, and now other teams get to kind of react differently. So I think it's it's... It's not dangerous for the Dodgers to get Machado. I mean, it's obviously a, a fantastic move getting such a quality player, even if it's just a rental. Um, I, I think, I think I'd be scared about the Diamondbacks. I don't know if if they were to go and get someone at the deadline, they could be sneaky good, and, and it could come down to the last day in the and, NL West. Yeah, and just a quick, you know, like it could come down the last day, and and everyone talks about the Dodgers pitching, but it's not not too shabby from uh, uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. It's worth mentioning real quick, funny stuff, you know. Uh, uh, first of all, shout out to Patrick Corbin. He's from uh, Syrac- from Syracuse, uh, my hometown. Hey. So uh, good player. Um, great to see Zach, good Zach Rinky back, uh, having a really late season. And then also, you know, what happened to Clay Buckholtz? Owen? Oh, what did happen to Clay Buckholtz? Um, Twenty thirteen happened, and he was never the same after that. Let's leave it at that. He said. He said uh, today. He said, "I don't want to melt away in the minors." And I just was like, "Wow," you know. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it was funny because I remember doing a little presentation. I think it was in like sixth or seventh grade, um, and he was kind of not my idol at the time. I think I listed him as my idol, but he, he was someone I kind of looked up to in, in the way that his second start in the big leagues, after getting shelled in his first or, or having a rough outing in his first outing, throws a no hitter for the Red Sox in his second big league start. I mean, that's if that's not just a power play, I don't know what is. Oh yeah, I. 
yeah, it's it's sad to see you know Clay Buckholtz. Uh, yeah, and, and he was he was phenomenal for the first half of 2013. Basically, didn't throw a pitch in the second half, uh, and had a microscopic ERA was like 13 and one, and then didn't throw a ball like after after August or so. Or it did in a limited capacity, and that injury has just screwed with him ever since. Yeah, no, I'd agree. Um, he's just not been the same pitcher that we all all thought he could have been. I mean, I remember him with the Red Sox. He was he was really something. So, um, but yeah, uh, that was that's interesting. And I guess uh, before we go to our parting shots, on what are your final thoughts uh, before the trade deadline? Um, well, like I said at the top of the show, this is one of my favorite times of the year, uh, at least baseball wise, just because it's one move here or there could change the entire complexion of the of the postseason not just the, not just one wild card race or one division race the entire postseason and it becomes a case of you know it, it all comes down to the and it's in uh, in world football we have two of these days uh, two transfer windows uh, and kind of the, the last day of the window is a really exciting day because you never know what's going to happen kind of leading up to that as well but I think it's one of those cases where the trade deadline of baseball tra- changes everything. But the other the other caveat with that is that there's the waiver trade deadline, which is in late August. That's right. That's right. And you can still have huge trades at that as well, namely the uh, the big uh, salary dump that the Red Sox did in 2012 when they got rid of Adrian Gonzalez and Carl Crawford and Josh Beckett and Nick Punto uh, as well. So it's it's you, you never know what's going to happen at the July deadline, um, and it could change the entire postseason. But again, there's still the other deadline, the waiver deadline in August. Uh, and some guy by the name of Justin Verlander got traded at that deadline last That's year. That's right. Look so, how that worked out. Exactly. Went to a, a world champion Houston Astros team. So, yeah. But yeah. I'm just I'm just excited for the deadline to, to get here and, and to see who goes where. Me too. And I just think that my, I guess my closing take on it is that um, other than I would say that the Indians, no jinx, have kind of the AL Central on lock. Other than that, um, all five divisions are up for grabs. And so my take is that Every move could make a huge – whether at the normal deadline or the waiver trade deadline will make a huge difference going forward. Um, so with that, um, that was nice. Let's go to our, our final segment, our parting ticks. Uh, always exciting. Uh, Owen, what do, what do you got? Well, I, I want to I show some love to, to the Open, our Open champion, our champion golfer of the year, Francesco yes. Molinari. Um, Partly because we didn't have time to get to it in, the, in the, the main part of our show, and I know you wanted to talk about that uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that he is, he's kind of the, not the, the reason, but very representative of why the European tour doesn't get kind of the credit it does. I mean, obviously the PGA tour is kind of known. It's, it's the equivalent of the premier league, uh, in, in that it is the best tour. All the best players want to play on the PGA tour and it has, you know, it's, it's the best tour kind of like the premier league in England, La Liga fans, uh, you know. Let me tell you why you're wrong. Um, but but all things aside, I think Molinari is one of those players who he's he's had a successful career on the European tour. And I think, at least stateside, a lot of people haven't recognized that. I mean, even winning Tiger's tournament, people were just like, oh, yeah, no, he's just another good golfer. But the European tour produces a lot of really, really good golfer, and he's just another one of them. So I think that, that his win should be a wake-up call for a lot of American fans that – there, there are some very, very good golfers on the European Tour, and, and Molinari is not the first, and he won't be the last. No, def, definitely not. Um, but it's just, this is a guy, Owen, I mean, I, I got to be honest. Um, we, First of all, credit to you for, for picking him to win. 
Um, but, you know, this is the European Tour does develop good players, but this is a guy that we just thought was um, – we, we, I didn't see this coming at all from him. I mean, you know, coming into the year, and all of a sudden, you know, he plays really well at the Quicken Loans Invitational, and then he wins the British Invitational, uh, British Open playing a fantastic golf. And I think the, the thing for Owen uh, – uh, I think – Oh, and I think the thing for Molinari is that um, he was just another one of these guys, kind of like a. He also, you know, he worked with the same coach as Justin Rose, where you know he was always a really good ball striker, but um, you never knew how he was around the greens. Um, and in part, his iron play always had to be so precise because he just could never putt, and his strokes gained around the green um, were, was not very good. And if you look at you know the 2016, 27, 2018 stats. Um, the strokes gained around the green and the strokes gained putting, you know, aren't very good, except for the last couple weeks, he's really putting it together. And, you know, Tiger Woods said it best. He won the game around the greens. And it's just, it kind of reminds me, like you said, Owen, it's just a, to look at a player put his full game together so well is so great. And it's kind of unprecedented to see a guy round out his game this well, I think. And, and who does this remind us of having all facets clicking of his game for so long, the guy he played with on Sunday, Tiger Woods. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I don't know. I, I think with Molinari, it's one of those cases where he didn't get the love he deserved, and I think a lot of European players will feel the same way just because they're very, very talented players, but they just don't get the coverage that American players do, at least over here. Uh, and I, I think the European tour is a very underrated tour uh, professionally. Uh, definitely, I, I think... It is second fiddle to the PGA Tour, but it's nothing to sleep on at all. I mean, he did. That's true. I mean, in fairness, though, I mean, you know, he these his two wins recently were the first his first two wins on the PGA Tour. So while he has one uh, on the European Tour and is more of a fixture there, I guess, I guess fans hadn't really got to see him shine. Yeah, and and as well, I, I do. I don't want to toot my own horn as much, but I, I remember when he won uh, the Quicken Loans. Uh, I thought. You know, and, and saw the kind of stretch of golf that he played, I thought, this guy has a chance to win a major very, very soon. And his game just sets up perfectly for the Open. He has a very he drives the ball very accurately, has a very good iron game, and is very creative around the greens. He's not the greatest putter in the world, but you don't have to be the greatest putter to win an Open. You can get away with being kind of an average putter on tour. Uh, that's not to say that he's bad by any stretch. It's just average for tour pros, and obviously these guys are, are terrific in every aspect of the game, because, I mean, this is what they do for a living. But Molinari is just, you know, his putting is kind of average for, for tour standards. But he really, you know, he came to play at the Open and is now our champion golfer of the year. So, fair play. Yeah. No, it, it's um, it's just incredible. And like you said, he, he I mean, I think he was bogey-free on the weekend this weekend. And, the, and maybe the same thing with Quicken Loans Invitational. And he just, he's such a good ball striker. I mean, every every year on the PGA Tour and the European Tour, he ranks in the top ten, just about you know, in strokes gained, uh, you know, off the tee. So um, he's just an incredibly solid player, and I think that um, you know we we live in a day of, of big bombers, but it's almost like in, in it's interesting, you know, in the United States, it's almost like we place a premium on high ball flight and distance, kind of, and put accuracy to the side. But Molinari, you know, hits or almost every fairway or is close to it exactly so i think his game set up perfectly for the open and i wasn't really surprised to see him pull it out it really could have been anyone on that sunday it would have been i mean the internet would have exploded at least uh the golf 
golfing internet would have just exploded if Tiger Woods won. Uh, but he he showed us a lot of really good things at the Open, and I'm very encouraged by what I've seen out of out of my child one of my childhood heroes. So I, I'm just happy to see Tiger playing well again. Oh, absolutely! It was it was amazing teaser. But uh, yeah, what else, Owen? What are uh, any more parting shots? Uh, yeah, I do have one, and it's related to Tiger Woods. He's okay. going to win a PGA Tour event this season. Really? He's either okay. going to win a Bridgestone or he's going to win a playoff event. Uh, okay. he, he has shown us that he can put two and two together. He can get it done without the kind of, you know, the necessity for length that I think a lot of uh, courses here in the U.S. demand. But I think he just has – he's so familiar with with um, with Firestone. He's won there a lot. <laughs> I mean, it felt like if he's not winning every year, he's at least in the on you know near the top of the leaderboard. I mean, that is when he's playing, um, and this is the first year he's been able to play. I believe, I believe since he won, because I believe he was hurt in 2014, uh, and every year since he wasn't eligible. So, mm-hmm. and that was the year he shot 61. Uh, coincidentally, his last tour win was at Bridgestone. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him win either Bridgestone or a playoff event, and I think he's going to do it. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's. I think, like you said, it, it, what impressed me, like you said, is not the necessity for the length. Like you said, even though in the past, you know, Tiger Woods been so good driving the ball and so good with his irons. Like you know, we talked about in, in the British Open, he was he was being conserved off the tee. He was laying up and he was relying on his iron play. And you know, he had a hit. He had some really good iron shots. So, I mean, I guess, do you think this is a case of of Tiger Woods maybe maybe just uh, you know makes a bad shot or a mistake here or there? Um, and it's something where he needs to get his game sharpened up in, in all at the same time, or do you think it's a case of he simply just needs to learn to win again on the tour? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, there is a little bit of rust in his game. I mean, he hasn't really played comp- a full schedule, I think, since 2013, maybe 2014. And any golfer will tell you that reg- that consistent play, not just consistent uh solid play just playing consistently in tournament situations is the best thing for you just to to you know keep it kind of go keep it going as as it were you, you want to have this this consistent flow of the the adrenaline and the the kind of you know this is what playing competitive golf is like because anyone will tell you competitive golf and recreational golf two very different things one of them is heavily dependent on the 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 um Excuse me, the, 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 what's that thing called between your ears? Your brain. Your mental <laughs> game is so important in it competitive is. golf. Recreational golf, it's, you know, it's kind of important if you want to play for, you know, a little side bet with your buddies on a, on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. But in tournament golf, what you do, what, you, what goes through your head is arguably more important than what you do on the course. And that, when you remove that from the equation, it just it, it's so hard to get back into it. So what we've seen from Tiger is a mix of not only adjusting to a new swing for his body, but for his mind as well. So, but but being in contention multiple times this year has really been helpful for him, and I think he's he's going to finally put it all together together. Excuse me, either at Bridgestone or sometime in the playoffs, because I believe he's inside the top 125 in the FedEx Cup standings. If if he's not, I'd be very surprised. It's going to be interesting, and like you said, he, uh, what goes through your head mentally is so important, and he was close at Bay Hill, he was close at the British Open, you hope he'll break through soon. I guess my last real quick wrap-up thought with, with Tiger Woods, Owen, I'm curious, I know you're not a huge Ryder Cup guy, but for the fans that are, Owen, I'm going to give you 
the with the U.S. team, right? They, they have four captains picks for the nine through twelve spots. I'm going to give you the seven guys who are kind of in contention for those last spots, and I uh, and I want to give you, I want to hear your thoughts on what four should make it. Okay, just name them. All right, All right. go for it. All right, starting with number nine. So out, you have the top eight, which if the starting day would be Brooks Koepka, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Justin Thomas, Bubba Watson, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, Bet Webb Simpson. And then in contention for captain's picks could be Bryson DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, Xander Schofle, Matt Kuchar, Kevin Kisner, Tony Fino. Which of those four makes would be your captain's picks? Fino, Schofle, Kisner, and... I'm going to say DeChambeau. Uh, I don't. Really? I don't want to see Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson play another. Wow! Ryder. Wow! You okay, look, both of them have losing records in the Ryder Cup. That tells you everything you need to know about those two in that competition. It's just it. They're they're not built for it. It's interesting. No, that's certainly true. It's just that actually, it's funny. I think for me, actually, both of them are going to make it. I think um, Phil Mickelson is, has been in every team competition since 1994. He's so good in the locker room. Um, even if he's not playing his best. And, and Tiger Woods, I'd honestly think, is when you look at the guys at the bottom there, is playing well enough to get one of those four captain picks. So, well, it's we'll interesting see. because it. Tiger's a vice captain this year. That's true. But he That's also true. is in contention to be a captain's pick if he doesn't oh. qualify through the standings. Oh, and I, you know what I want to see? You know what would be a great end of the golf season for me? I want to see um, a Ryder Cup battle singles play Ian Poulter, captain's pick versus Tiger Woods, captain pick. That's what I want to Ooh, see. That'd be that'd be interesting. That'd be good. Um, I know we've talked about this before off air, but I'm not huge on the Ryder Cup just because I just, I just I don't like what happens to American fans during the Ryder Cup. They just they go crazy. They become everything <laughs> that people don't like about American golf fans. And there's already a lot to not like about American golf fans. I mean, even even across the pond, I don't even know who if it was if the person yelling during Tiger's backswing was European or American or what have you. But it was that the that is kind of the most accurate representation of what American golf fans are like. And I don't mean to stereotype because not everyone is like that, but that just becomes the norm at PGA Tour events. Whereas at the European Tour event or at European Tour events, fans are much more. I don't mean to use the word, but civilized. It's just it, there's there's this understanding that that golf is not meant to be this boisterous event, and it's fun when it is. But at the same time, it's you know these guys are playing for millions of dollars. The the least you could do is show them a little bit of respect. It, yeah, that, and that's my personal opinion. That's, right. that's 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 why I'm not a huge fan of the Ryder Cup. I think it also blows this kind of country competition. It, it blows it way out of proportion. I don't think these guys care about it. They just want to win. Um, they'll say that it's an honor to represent your continent or your country, but these guys, they're professionals. They just want to win. Yeah. No, it's a really a shame to see the fans. And, you know, sometimes, like, people say British Open, for example, has the, they have the most educated, um, you know, uh, golf fans. So it's particularly, I mean, it's it's in Europe this year, so hopefully they'll, you know, be better about it. But it's a shame to see them um, ruin it for him. So uh, them sometimes. But I am still excited about it. So we'll see. But uh, any any more, Owen, or uh, should I move on to my parting? No, takes? let's let's see your parting takes and let's see um, let's see if I need to drop some knowledge on you. <laughs> yes, I got three. I got three pretty hot takes. Uh, All right, let's hear them. So um, number one, um, I um, number one, uh, 
So a couple about baseball, but number one, I do want to move to uh, soccer a little bit. Um, right. I own. I never want to call. Okay, I'm not calling for for someone's job. I'm not doing that. However, um, you know, listen, as sports fans, uh, you know, I don't want to sound like you know we know everything. We're from the outside, but judging from the outside, okay, um, you know. Jose Mourinho is losing the plot. When I had a feeling you were going to go there. <laughs> and, and I think, he, you know, his quote the other day, I wrote it down where he said, I don't think it's about us getting the best out of him in reference to Paul Pogba. So he said, I don't think it's about us getting the best out of him. It's about him giving the best he has to give. And then he goes on, you know, I think the World Cup's a perfect habitat for a player like him to give their best. And then he goes on to say he's better suited at the World Cup than he is for Man United. Um, and I think, Owen, I just... When you, I don't, I, I forgot, but was Pogba a record transfer fee at the time? I mean, he was close. At the time, he, uh, I believe he was for, so, for, for an English club, yeah. How can you move, this is like, whether or not you are upset with him, this is your guy. Like, you spent all this money on him. And to me, if he's not happy and he disappoints and for a reason you move him, that's on you. And to me, like, that's, that's I don't want to say a fireball offense, but that's pretty close to it. Because you spent all this money on a guy, and you listen, man. Soccer players, athletes have big egos. Okay, so listen. At the end of the day, I who we don't know the dynamics going on in the locker room. But all I'm saying is, if I was a player with a big ego, I'd be pissed that my manager's calling me out in public. Oh you know? my god! So, I, I had a feeling you were going to bring that up, um, and I'm really, really happy you did because this whole this whole ordeal with Mourinho is just the most Mourinho thing that could have ever happened. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm actually in tears right now because I, I'm laughing so hard at this. I mean, what do you what do you think? What do you, what do you think Pogba's thinking right now? Do you think he's I'm thinking, he can't be happy about if, this? If I'm Paul Pogba, I'm I'm looking at my agent Mino Raiola and I'm going get me back to Juventus now. Uh, I, I don't know why you would want to play for Jose Mourinho, even if it's Manchester United. I don't know why you want to play for a manager who is arrogant as he is, who seemingly just loses the plot every three years or so. And it, it's just, we've seen it over and over and over again with Mourinho. It's usually year one, things are good, but not amazing. Year two, win the title. Year three, gets sacked halfway through the season. And you're right, on. And, and first of all, as just a follow up on that, first of all, Pogba has to be good for them to be successful. And I mean, I just, I think it just goes back to, like you said, this weird three year cycle with Mourinho. But I'm looking at it, Owen, and I think that when it comes to Jose Mourinho's legacy, I mean, he's really, really co- costing himself. Um, you know, he undeniably had success with Porto and with Chelsea and with Inter the first time around. Um, but then recently, during his end of his tenure at Chelsea and during his uh, his tenure at Man United, he's he's really, you know, his arrogance is really getting in the way. And I, I just, you just got to wonder. Um, I, I know this sounds crazy, but if, if, if things don't go well for him at United, I wonder if other teams are looking at him and saying he's kind of outdated, maybe. You know, he... He won a couple trophies in his first season, and people were saying, "Oh, he's you know he's gonna be fine. He's gonna win the league," but they didn't. I mean, they obviously had a pretty good season last year. They finished second above every other team except for Man City. Uh, they spoiled City's chance to win the title at uh, at the Etihad in the Manchester Derby, but 
I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of... I'm not sold on Mourinho at Manchester United anymore. I mean, I feel like when we did this, pre- when we did the preview podcast last year, things were looking good for United. They were getting second season Mourinho, who's that's kind of been at least recently that's been the the title winning season, um, and then the third season is the season he gets sacked. So I'd be I'd be pretty nervous about this season for Manchester United if they don't get off to a good start and they don't make some noise at the top of the table at least in the first half of the season. I wouldn't be surprised if they showed him the door very early. I mean. You think of the clubs he's managed in the past. Inter, Porto, Madrid, Chelsea twice, and now Manchester United. Those are not these are not small clubs, at least Chelsea pre Abramovich uh was, but that's a thing of the past now. These are these are not small I mean, these are pretty big clubs and he's unfortunately for him kinda of suffered the consequences of, of using his mouth as opposed to letting the players kinda of speak for him and, and he has a tendency to I guess lose the dressing room and, and if you lose Paul Pogba you basically lose this dressing room I and mean, he's, he's not captain but he's a very vocal leader I'm sure he was for France as well or anyways in the in the World Cup so I have no doubt that he's he's got a pretty loud voice in this locker room so if he loses Pogba he could lose the entire team and, and that could cost him his job yeah no I, I certainly agree on I, I think this would you go as far as to say this is make or break season for Mourinho absolutely absolutely sacked without a trophy Sacked without a trophy, yeah. No, I think so. I think last year he was lucky to to get by without winning a trophy. Um, this year, I don't think he'll be as lucky. I think Manchester United hired him knowing that he is a winner everywhere he goes. He won three trophies in his first season. Obviously, one of them was the Community Shield, and no one really cares about that trophy. Uh, the League Cup and the FA Cup double was nice, but at the end of the day... Or sorry, the League Cup and the uh, Europa League, not the Le- not the FA Cup. The FA Cup that year went to Arsenal, and oh boy, it's been a struggle for them ever since. That's something sure. to look forward to is our preview podcast that oh. will be dropping in a couple weeks or so, as the Premier League season is just around the corner, which I am so excited about. Two weeks from tomorrow, for sure, it's exciting. And I guess I just got to say, you know, Mourinho's a funny guy because uh, on one hand, I you know his arrogance really annoys me. On the other hand, I really want him to succeed because I love when he manages a big club. It's just so funny when he's not managing your team. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's it's interesting. But, and then he uh, went on that rant last year about football heritage when Sevilla knocked out United in the Champions League. Oh, yeah. And, and he was yep. talking about football heritage. And I, I watched that press conference a couple days after he's the fact so and was left with more questions. That is never a good thing when I am more confused than when I start because I feel like at least the press conferences, I'm able to follow most of what most managers are saying, but Mourinho confused me entirely. After that press conference, I was just thinking, wait, what? For sure. <laughs> what, what did I just watch for the last 17 minutes? For sure. No, it was, that was incredible. So, so uh, back back to, uh, I got a couple more baseball ones. Um, all right. So first, um, and then these are, are pretty two hot takes, but um, uh, they're pretty two hot takes. Um so number one was kind of on there, but Owen, oh, I, I have to be honest, whether he gets re-signed when his deal's up or not, I think that the Angels should trade Mike Trout. Whoa. 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 Oh, no. Listen, at, what, there's a lot of things you could say. I mean, listen, Mike Shosha needs to go. I think he's been there for so long. But if you ask me, Owen, I mean – if I was an Angels fan, I'd be getting so angry because, you know, wh- whatever management's been there, and it has fluctuated, um, has not been able – I mean, 
you know, he played one, I think, um, playing game, right? But other than that, he hasn't been in the playoffs. And they haven't been able to put a team around him. You know, you you have a player that's made it, has come from, you know, is one of the best hitters and base runners we've ever seen. And it has start was originally, you know, not a great center fielder, but is now one of the top, you know, five or six uh, defensive center fielders. He's really worked on it. And, you know, he'd be a top, I'd say, five player to ever play the game if he stopped right now. And to me, as tough as it is, I'm not so sure the Angels have the ability. Uh, it's gonna, it would take a hell of an overhaul to put a team around him based on the players they have. They tried this season, is completely failed. Um, the Astros aren't going anywhere. So to me, uh, this is crazy, but if you can get a huge young haul for Mike Trout, re-sign him, get a huge young haul for Mike Trout, um, I think it may be worth it, even though your fans would hate it. That's the hottest take we've had on this show, bar More none. so than Derek Jeter? More so um, than Derek I think that one will let slide just because he – I think you're right. Um, I, I'm not saying Jeter was a bad yeah. defender, but I think he was just overhyped. Um, but he, he was also one of the greatest hitters the Yankees have ever had. So and I, it's, it's kind that's of all forgiven. And um, I, should say, I should say real quick that I will admit I am wrong all the time, and I could be <laughs> completely wrong about this one, but it's just thought I have. No, it's, and that's a good one because it's it's a really good talking point because we always talk about how good Mike Trout is, but you know you, you talk about the best players in baseball, right? You think of the guys, the premier pitchers. Clayton Kershaw plays for a team that went to the World Series last year. Max Scherzer plays for a team that's always in the playoffs. Chris Sale plays for a team that's always in the playoffs. Uh, who else? Uh, Mookie Betts, best one of the best players in baseball, plays for the Red Sox. Uh, all the top players in baseball seem to have a really elite team around them, or at least a team that's good enough to go to the playoffs. Paul Goldschmidt as well. Uh, and then there's Mike Trout, who plays for the Angels, who made a postseason run, I think it was the year before last. Uh, haven't really done much playoff-wise since then. I mean, they, they went and got Otani this year, but he at least hasn't thrown a pitch uh, since he, he went to the DL. He's been hitting bombs again, just absolute tank shot, upper tank. Um, but just he hasn't been, you know, the the premier two two way star we hope we we hoped we would see this season um, just For sure. because of injuries. But I, I don't know. It's a, it's a big call. I, I can look. I, I can see what you're saying, and I definitely don't disagree with it. But it just be so hard to convince me if, if I was an Angels fan and you told me that we were trading Mike Trout. I don't know what I'd tell you because after going out and getting Otani and Simmons from the Braves. And obviously Garrett Richard going down was tough. Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with it. There's not a whole lot surrounding Mike Trout. I mean, you look at Otani, Pujols is ancient, probably going to retire soon. I mean, I, I would hope he retire soon and, and not yep. just turn into a guy who shows up and hits like two home runs a season and plays like 10 games. Uh, you know, you want to you wanna see Mike Trout play on a playoff team, and it just doesn't feel like that's going to be the Angels anytime soon. And, Owen, let's look at the writing on the wall um, for this Angels team, okay? Um, you have – look at the guys that they made a splash for this year to try to help them, right? Zach Kozart's 32 years old, and he's really, really regressed this season after a really good uh, year last year. Um, Justin Upton, you know, good player, solid player, but, you know, um, really isn't enough to really propel them. Um, and, frankly, uh, he's been in a couple trades. Uh, I mean, I remember when he to the Padres, and you kind of – 
uh, not quite lived up to the hype. Ian Kinsler, another guy. Um, really, really bad year from the plate this year. Um, another guy, 36 years old. Um, and I think Garrett Richards is either a free agent at the end of this season or next season. And he's a really good pitcher when healthy. So I don't really see much room for growth. And from what I know, it's not like the Angels are riven with prospects. So I just don't see, honestly, educated, I don't see a way forward for them. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you there. I, I, just, I just really feel for Mike Trout because he's so, so good. And you think about not only the the player he is but the the person that he is i mean major league base mm-hmm. i mean rob manfred slated him in terms of not being able to kind of self-promote his brand like a bryce harper and that's what you would want out of baseball uh out of, out of superstars but again mike trout he's not one of those guys he just kind of you know he does what he does for the community he's focused on being the best person he can be and the best ball player he can be and and you know I, I feel like we need more Mike Trouts and, and fewer Bryce Harpers, but that's also me personally. I mean, I have nothing wrong with Harper. It's just he plays for the Nats, so I'm kind of obliged to, to not like him. Um, and there's nothing wrong with what, what Mike Trout does as far as just being really good to people in his community. I mean, he brought a kid onto the field. I don't know if you saw the pictures, but he brought a kid onto the field for batting practice and just no, hung out with him. That. He gave him the bat, that's awesome. too. So he's he's really good to his community. He's really good to kids, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. And the Angels actually released a statement uh, sometime last week about Mike Trout being just an exceptional ball player and human being. On top of that, or just uh, you know above all that, and I don't know. It's 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 kind of I wouldn't say it's sad, but it's it's just unfortunate for him that he's not on a playoff team. I mean, he's obviously going to go down as one of the greatest players to play the game, even if he retired right now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, that, that's how good Mike Trout is. Uh, and, you know, he's still only in his in his late 20s. So he's, you know, hopefully got a long career ahead of him. Um, and hopefully he'll be, you know, kind of the the big premier superstar that baseball hasn't really had uh, since, I, I guess, your kind of Alex Rodriguez, Derek Jeter era. Uh, baseball's never really had that one standout star just because there's so many players on all the teams and they play so many games. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's there's no like a there's no Tom Brady in baseball. There's no LeBron James in baseball. Uh, there's Mike Trout, but you know, there's yeah. obviously pitchers as well. And and you know, Trout Trout could be that, but he's you know, I, and I think he is kind of kind of that player. But you know, for the sake of rambling, Mike Trout traded. I wouldn't be too angry with it, but that's a, still a huge call. No, for sure. It, it's 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 crazy, man. We'll we'll, we'll see. Um, okay, so the third one, Owen, uh, and this is a – I'm really interested to get your take, and this isn't a, a criticism. It's just a, it's just thought because ha- we have to be objective for the viewers. Uh, so, um, in theory. In theory, uh, which <laughs> I have tried to. Uh, and I think in fairness to us, we, we do have our teams we like, but we try to be fair. So, uh, I mean, it's just be out front. But, but basically, um, my third thought is this. Um, I think baseball is at this really interesting crossroads because on one hand, we talk about declining viewership um, where, you know, more just more people need to pay attention to baseball. Otherwise, the sport uh, could be in a little more trouble. And on one hand, I think that the way that um, one way to solve that is just, you know, when big market teams are good, more people go to the games and more people, you know, watching television and that helps. Um, But on the other hand, you know, one of the criticisms uh, of baseball in the past has been a uh, competitive balance. And, you know, the worst I've ever uh, – okay, this is not a joke. But, you know, 
a big criticism I had growing up was the New York Yankees because Brian Cashman, in particular, just pitching, it was almost like they bought all these pitchers that you could think of. And, and it was just like, you know, they started spending it rather than developing their own players. And the interesting thing I bring it up is a couple teams come to mind. And it's not to say it's unusual for any team, but a couple teams in particular, the, the Dodgers and, and the Red Sox, um, it's not to say it's a, ba- a bad thing necessarily because I think the good thing is small market teams. But, you know, if I'm a small market team, I'm looking at the Red Sox and I'm looking at, you know, the big contracts that they gave to J.D. Martinez and David Price and then all the trades that they have made, um, you know, the signing with Big Betts, you know, all the trades that they've made for Steve Pierce, um, you know, Chris Sale, et cetera. And I'm looking and I'm saying, you know, maybe it's just a little unfair, you know, like, do you, do you think that, where do you draw the line, Owen, between the wanting the big teams to be good versus, you know, like, you know, versus wanting as a fan of competitive balance, wanting to see teams like the Atlanta Braves, you know, develop really good young prospects because, you know, I got to be honest, like the Red Sox don't really have many good prospects. They've kind of bought a lot of the players on the team other than a few guys like Xander Bogarts, um, Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, th- those are good guys. Andrew Benatendi. Mookie Betts. A lot of the, yeah. But they've also, I don't know, man. I think they're no, towing that on. No, no, I, I hear you and I definitely agree. Um, but it's also they're one not, of those things where, yeah. um, you know, we, we, we try to be impartial on the show, but really you just draw the line with the Yankees. As long no, as the I Yankees agree. don't have a roster that just blows everyone out. Because here's the thing. With the Yankees, it doesn't matter how good they are. People know what who the Yankees are. And it's it's more a case of it doesn't matter how stacked their roster is. As long as they don't win every single year, I think we're okay. Um, and I don't say that because they have the most number of championships and it's nauseating to hear Yankees fans talking about it over and over and it's even worse when they're good because that means they actually have a chance to win more championships uh in in an era where the competition is just much better uh, but i think you really do have to draw the line especially with this year's yankees we talked about this earlier in the show zach mm-hmm. Britton just breaking yep. the system with the yankees bullpen now four closers right i mean and I, how many yeah. teams can can say they have four closers in their in their bullpen none except yeah. for the yankees and I, I think, to be honest, it, it, it reminds me with the Red Sox and the, and the for yeah, no, no one's in my opinion really like the Yankees were kind of I think the the biggest culprit of that because uh, originally, you know, George Steinbrenner said we want to buy a bunch of players rather than develop prospects, and uh, recently they've kind of gotten away from that. But it just I thought of it because you know we're at the trade deadline, and as much as I like it, you know, who are the teams that made the biggest splash at the trade deadline, right? Uh, you could say, arguably, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, and the Yankees, right? And I think that these are all teams that can uh, afford to trade for guys because they also know that they can, if needed, go out in the offseason and get a one-year rental. And I, I don't blame them, you know? And I think it's – I don't necessarily think it's bad for the sport, but I just think, you know, I'm looking at a team, for example, like that, and then I'm looking at a team, you know, like uh, other small market teams who don't have the same luxury, you know? Like the Cleveland Indians can't, or I mean, that's just bias coming to play. But you know, the Oakland Athletics or the Pittsburgh Pirates, these teams can't afford to um, uh, really break the bank for trades because they they can't sign. They know they don't have the money to give players in the offseason. Yeah, no, I definitely hear what you're saying. But let me read you the, or let me let me tell you the last eight winners of the world or last seven winners of the World Series. All right, 
2010, you had the Giants. Yep. 2011, you had the Cardinals. 2012, yep. Giants again. That that was yep. that's annoying. Uh, 2013, Boston. 2014, yep. Giants again. Annoying. 2015, Royals. 2016, Cubs. 2017, Astros. What do all those teams have in common? Absolutely nothing. So baseball is one of those beautiful sports where it doesn't matter how good your team is. You still have to get it done. And it doesn't matter if you have the most loaded lineup in baseball or the most stacked bullpen in baseball or the best starting rotation or the best manager or the biggest payroll. It doesn't matter. None of that matters at all. The Astros won 100. They lost 100 and what was it? 113 games. In 2013, they lost a hundred. They lost right. a lot of games in 2013, and they're World Series champions four years later. But the Chicago Cubs were perennial right. losers every single year. They won the World Series in 2016. It's it's possible to do. It's just, I mean, yep. obviously, it's harder for teams like the the A's and the Rays who have very very small budgets. But it's not impossible, and that's, that's the beautiful thing about baseball. And and like it's funny, yeah, because you know a lot of different people. You know, the Kansas City Royals, another team. You know, really. Um, can do it, and it's just um, no. It's just it's just interesting, you know. Some that that some people trade for people. I guess in in the case of the Astros, it was a case where they um they've really they just had they built a, a really good farm system, you know. And uh, I I just remember, you know, it's tough because I remember, you know, the best example of this was, you know, the uh, the Florida Marlins uh, were two separate times. The Florida, the the Miami Marlins have built, you know, World Series teams where, you know, right after they, uh, you know, beat the Yankees, they had to dismantle their whole team because they didn't have room uh, on the payroll, you know. And it's just, I don't know what I, what I guess I, I like. What I guess I'm saying is, um, it's true that baseball teams, small market teams, can compete. But the Houston Astros, I feel like, are the rare case where they can. It seems like they're going to be able to sustain that, though. You know, that that may be true, but you never know what's going to happen. You could have a season-ending injury one year in in a walk year for for a big name player. True. And all of a sudden, you have to change the entire complexity of your team. You have to go out and sign someone. Maybe that causes someone else to want to walk. People change their their opinions of where they want to play it's there's a lot of intangibles in baseball and a lot of that's things to, to keeping players happy and healthy and and that's the reason that sustained success in this sport in particular is so hard which is why you know obviously i hate saying this but which is why what the yankees did when you know when they were kind of in their quote-unquote heyday uh, you know yeah or you're right one of their heydays uh that's what made them so successful uh, obviously the the talent was it wasn't what it is now but it's it's still you you have to think about the the many things that can happen in baseball and and it's just again that that to me is why baseball is my favorite sport because no matter how good some teams are cough cough look at you Warriors again mm-hmm. thanks for ruining the yep. league um, no matter how good a team might be you still have to prove it over the course of a season and the postseason and in a sport like baseball where there are nine guys on the field nine guys in the lineup. Plus a huge number of pitchers in the rotation, you still have to get it done, and it's it doesn't matter how, much you, how big your payroll is, how many stars you have. Nine against nine, you got to get it done, and it's it's harder to do in baseball than in other sports to really impact a game from from one player. So again, it, it is hard to have that sustained success. So 
I think you just draw the again, this is really hypocritical for, for me to say, but you, you have to draw the line with the Yankees. Because yeah. they they are they are oh, the benchmark in baseball. Oh, on a cave I mean I was actually uh that's why the noise of the computer ran off. I was trying to look up the co- contract value of Giancarlo Stanton. But you know, like thirteen years, three hundred twenty five million dollars. Don't ask how I remember that detail. But that's I mean, a lot of money. Okay. Well, I mean that's just ridiculous. And what are oh, is he gonna team up with Bryce Harper now? Like Bryce I, I just, Harper Harper and or Machado are is, are going to command four hundred million dollar contracts this offseason. You watch. Like, you're going to me, have a pair of four hundred million dollar contracts this offseason. One of them is going to the Yankees. One is going to the Dodgers. I mean, I just and and well, the reason I bring this up is it's just you know, to me as much as I love the I love baseball. That's I don't. It's not the worst part, but it's just you know you saw it. I mean, even I mentioned the Marlins like this past offseason. You know, when Giancarlo Stan leaves and then Christian Yelich leaves, and you see you know. The Marlins were clearly, and I'm not saying it's a bad strategy because you have to rebuild it, ha- slashing payroll, and fans just hated it, you know? It's, and, but it's just a shame to see it sometimes because um, while you're right, um, so many things can happen. It's just that um, small market teams, when they're not good, really have to push for a hard rebuild, basically. Yeah, so. no, I, I totally get that. And and. It's funny you mentioned the Marlins because that brings up Derek Jeter, which is a whole other can of worms with his many years with the Yankees and then trading stand in the yep. Yankees and getting a pile of spare parts in return, plus Starlin Castro. Uh, obviously, I, I, mean, I mean, that is a joke. Obviously, no disrespect to, to professional baseball players. But, again, it's just one of those cases where, look, the Yankees have a stacked lineup. They have a really good bullpen now, but they still have to get it done. And the Astros are a really good team. The Red Sox are a really good team. The Mariners are still a good team. The A's could be a good team. could be someone to watch out for in the postseason. You just never know. You really yeah. just never know. So that's, that's the know. beauty of baseball. That's the absolute beauty. And, you know, never know what can happen. And this year it's going to be very exciting because a lot of new teams are kind of right there. So but, we'll see. Yeah. And on that note, I think we're uh, we're about yeah. out of time here. Uh, we tried to keep this podcast shorter yeah. than the last one, but we ended up hitting basically the same time frame. <laughs> so hope you like almost two hours of baseball. Um, <laughs> but no, thank you for listening. If you made it this far, we really yeah. appreciate the support and all the comments and nice words that people have said about the podcast. We really appreciate your support. Uh, by all means, if you know someone who might like this podcast, share it with them. Tell your friends about it. <laughs> Tell your mom about it uh, because this is something we're working really hard on. We're trying to get the best possible content we can every single week to you in a pretty timely uh, pretty timely fashion, although it might change from week to week. Um, yeah. A couple of things I want to put on our radar before we get out of here. Number one, our Premier League podcast will drop before the season starts in two weeks, uh, two weeks from tomorrow. We're recording this Thursday night, uh, the 26th today, I believe today is. Yeah, 26th, uh, we'll drop this on the 27th, or at least really late tonight. Um, and you'll be able to hear it on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, or Anchor FM. The links are always in the description. Um, and the other thing is, uh, we'll be collaborating with my brother and his friends, big Arsenal fans, for our Premier League preview show. So that'll be probably a pretty long episode. I'll try to keep it under two hours, but you never know with us. Uh, we just like to ramble. Um <laughs> But again, thank you so much for listening, um, Willie. I think we this has probably been our better one of our better shows so yeah. far in the uh, in the rotation that we have here. Um, and I just want to I want us to keep getting better at this because this is this yeah. is something we both really enjoy doing. Yeah, it's just fun. And like you said, you know, there's uh, 
it's so important to me, I guess, closing thought to me to team balance life, but sometimes uh, sports are a nice escape from the real world. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And they don't matter, but they're, they're, they sure are fun to talk about. That's true. Uh, but for Willie, I'm Owen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Hot Takes Only. If you want to get involved with us, our social media profiles are going to be in the link be- in the description below. Uh, feel free to tweet at us. Let you know. Let us know what you think about the show. And that's uh, let's do it. Let's get interactive. Let's get talking about the uh, the big topics, the hot takes in baseball and football and basketball and and ho- hopefully not basketball because the Warriors are going to win in four uh, next June. Uh, what? Who said that? <laughs> No, but yeah. thank you much. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, for Willie, I'm Owen. We'll see you next time. This has been Hot Takes Only. We'll see you later.